time. Time now for the Natural Health Show. This is the place. The one and only Natural Health Show. For natural health information and conversation. It's the Natural Health Show. Coming to you in three, two, one. I don't know if you've ever wondered what you could possibly do to make yourself happier. If you've ever wondered what you could possibly do to make your world a more beautiful place, you could begin by wondering how to take back control. Control of your mind, control of your body, and your medicines. Taking back control that is yours, and that is the personal revolution. We're here every weekend to help get that started. Hi, I'm Steve Herringer. This is what you've been listening for. It's the Natural Health Show. This program is an environment, a space, a place where all we focus on is natural health and natural healing. Today, as per usual, Julie Danlett brings us the Natural Health Show's nutrition break. She talks fermented foods today and says that they have an amazingly beneficial effect on our overall health. Fermented foods with Julie in about 15 minutes from now. Also this hour, Dr. Hal Gunn joins us for our research update. He says probiotics have beneficial effects in dealing with digestive diseases such as inflammatory bowel disease. We'll hear from Hal later in the show. Finally, Dr. Carl MD also looks at probiotics. He believes their ability to fight inflammation slows down the aging process. Listen for Dr. Carl later this hour. Of course, health highlights are also on the way. By the way, today's show is sponsored by Innovite Health. Innovite Health is making this program possible, and we thank them for their support. Yes, we are going for the gut today. We have not done a show on probiotics for a while, and I thought now would be a perfect time to revisit some of the benefits of this good bacteria that is so helpful to our well-being. So to get to a better understanding of just what probiotics can do to improve our health, I'm joined by Dr. Lee No, a naturopathic physician from Toronto. He's been a guest on our show before, and he has a knack of getting to a simple explanation of some very complicated health concepts. So he's the guy we need right here, right now, and we have got him. Dr. No, welcome to The Natural Health Show. My pleasure, Steve. Hey, we're very happy to have you back uh, with us. You're a naturopathic doctor. You're an author, an uber blogger. You went to the Canadian College of Naturopathic Medicine, and I am reading that naturopathic medicine is founded on the principle of healing through the cooperative power of nature. That's interesting. Uh, Healing through the cooperative power of nature, healing through nature. Can you explain what that means? Right. So basically, it's just founded on the, um, uh, the principle that our bodies have this incredible ability to heal and is actually wanting to come back into balance. Now, in certain circumstances, uh, there are other factors that come into play that prevent that balance from coming back. But as long as we can support our bodies and provide it with those, uh, whether it's nutrients, the proper level of physical activity, uh, emotional health, if all those factors are in the right uh, proportion or where they should be, our bodies want to come back to health. So as long as we work with nature, work with our bodies, um, like I said, our bodies have the ability to heal itself and come back into balance. That's right. So so letting the getting out of the way and letting the body heal itself because it's built that way, I guess. That's right. 
Last we spoke, we talked about cardio health. This time around, we're going to talk about probiotics and their role in health. And uh, not only uh, that, but we're going to try and demystify or make these things as clear as possible. That's our job here at the Natural Health Show. I'm Steve Herringer with naturopathic doctor Lee No. Probing the probiotic universe, we come across a word that is somewhat new, having been coined in the late 80s. The word is microbiome, and it seems to be popping up more and more these days. Lee, tell us what microbiome means. So the microbiome is really just the term we use to um, describe the community of microorganisms that live on our body and within our body. Um, Really, there are about 10 trillion bacterial and yeast cells uh, in and on our bodies. And just to put that into perspective, when you look at the number of human cells, so all the cells that we typically think of as making up the human body, that amounts to about 1 trillion. So you can see about 90% of what we know or think of as a human body is actually not even human cells. They're, they're, yeah, we're, they're we're like bacteria. We're like bacteria on a stick. We're walking bacteria. <laughs> That's exactly it. Not, it's not human cells. It's bacteria, but we need, we need them to live. That's right. Yeah, and, and I've even heard uh, people just refer to us um, as uh, transporters for our bacterial um, <laughs> friends. Now, when, so again, microbiome, is, when we speak of that, we're speaking about all this bacteria on us and in us. Right. Correct? That's right. So is this, now I said that the, the, the term was coined in the late 80s. That is up for argument according to the internet. But anyway, it's a new area of study. How did it become an area of study to begin with, looking at the microbiome? Well, I think this um, is just a slow evolution over time. So from, you know, our, our thinking that the germs and bacteria are bad and then, you know, going through the, the process of trying to eliminate these and seeing their effects on health and uh, the the deterioration of health when we don't have these uh, microbes on and in us, uh, it started to give people the indication that maybe they're, they're there for a reason. So over uh, years or decades, really, uh, we just slowly start to understand the importance of having these microbes, whether it's bacteria or beneficial yeast, uh, on us and in us. And uh, like you said, this uh, this uh, affects so many aspects of our health and uh, incredibly important moving forward. Uh, how do we get our microbiome? So it, uh, it all starts from birth. And uh, essentially in the womb uh, and when we're born, we're, humans are born sterile. But our first exposure to any sort of uh, microbe, uh, whether it's bacteria or yeast, is actually during the passage through the vaginal ca- canal during birth. One of the reasons why um, it's highly questionable, according to the newest thinking uh, and the newest research around the microbiome, a highly questionable um, procedure is the C-section, especially elective C-sections. Of course, there are um, medically necessary uh, situations where C-sections come uh, into play. Uh, But if there's no reason for a C-section, highly advise against it. And we see some some, uh, studies showing uh, an increased risk of obesity and all sorts of other conditions when uh, when you're born through C-section. But after because, that, sorry, sorry uh, and, and this is because you really don't, uh, you don't have a microbiome when you're in the womb. That's right. It's so, a sterile environment. And as you pass through the vaginal canal, this is where you pick up this bacteria. That's from, right. From the mother. Exactly. And if you don't go through that route, 
of being born, you're not getting that microbiome, at least not as strong as it possibly could be. That's right. So uh, dramatically less in terms of your exposure to bacteria and yeast. And then um, on top of that, you're, you're not actually getting the particular makeup. So even though you might have skin-to-skin contact, and one of the other reasons why babies are often uh, uh, encouraged to have lots of skin-to-skin contact with their mother and father is to pick up the, the bacteria that resides on, on their skin as well. But keep in mind that, that those bacteria is not necessarily the same as the bacteria that you pick up going through the vaginal canal. So when you look at all these things, um, just if it's not the way nature intended, don't do it if, if at all possible. Okay. Yeah. And, and there is a, a, a lot of elective C-sections. Unfortunately, in America, that's right, yeah. Now, is, is our microbiome constantly changing as we change, as we grow? I mean, what, what happens to our microbiome as we grow? Does it change? Absolutely. So, uh, and a lot of that happens uh, due to the changing environment within our, our guts or on our skin. So when we, when we think of uh, reasons why we see this change from, say, um, uh, the microbiome from when we're an infant to our childhood to an adult and into our senior years, a lot of it has to do with the types of foods we eat. So as an example, when we're nursing, uh, breast milk contains a, a number of different nutrients that promote the growth of certain bacteria. But after weaning, we start to in- ingest solid foods that expose our guts to different types of nutrients, different types of compounds that encourage to grow with the different types of uh, microbes. And so as, as we grow, there is a, a constant changing of, of what we see is, as our microbiome. And I suppose that in, in, in basically if, if our microbiome or the health of our microbiome drops at some point during our lives, we are more susceptible to certain diseases. Absolutely. And that's what the newest research is showing. Right, and we're going to talk a lot about that as we carry on this hour. You're listening to The Natural Health Show. This is the place for natural health information and conversation. We'll be back with more after we hear The Natural Health Show's nutrition break. And here is Julie. Hello, my name is Julie Daniluk, nutritionist and author of Meals That Heal Inflammation and Slimming Meals That Heal. You want the secret to preserving your health? It turns out that the traditional methods of preserving food is teeming with health benefits. There's a higher bioavailability of nutrients in fermented foods. A study has found that fermented foods such as vegetable juices and sauerkraut contains a higher mineral content such as zinc, manganese, and 16% more soluble iron. It also preserves and enhances vitamin C and vitamin B complex. Fermented foods can help you ease anxiety and other mental health concerns. Yes, the type of bacteria influences your gut, and studies have shown that when you eat fermented food products regularly, you have a lower risk of anxiety and depression. Fermented foods have an anti-inflammatory effect and can help decrease allergies. It also reduces respiratory infections with its ability to improve the immune system. When the GI tract is inflamed, it allows substances to cross the intestinal wall, leading to inflammatory conditions like arthritis. So the next time you enjoy the tangy flavor of fermented foods, remember, it will also help you live a happier life. To learn more about the power of healing foods, visit my website at juliedaniluk.com. The Natural Health Show's Nutrition Break is brought to you by the muscle ache and pain solution, MagSense.
This is it, the one and only Natural Health Show, the most listened to natural health radio program in the country. We thank you for joining us today. Naturopathic Dr. Lee No is my guest, and probiotics is our topic. It was 2007 when the National Institutes of Health launched the Human Microbiome Project in the U.S. That was an effort to catalog the microorganisms living in and on healthy human bodies. Since then, there's been an avalanche of new studies connecting the microbiome to health on the one hand and disease on the other. A disrupted microbiome, as we were talking, it's now suspected uh, to be a contributor to the obesity epidemic. Dr. No, uh, are there any other health issues associated with a disrupted microbiome or I suppose a bacteria imbalance in our bodies? Any other health issues? Absolutely. And in fact, there's uh, quite a bit of evidence now to show that it impacts all sorts of different health conditions. So we're talking things from mental health uh, to, to what I, I think is uh, obvious to many individuals is the immune system. So when I talk about the immune systems, I'm, uh, I'm talking about things like allergies to eczema to uh, acute respiratory infections, but also autoimmune diseases. So uh, disruptive microbiome has been linked to things like multiple sclerosis, rheumatoid arthritis, uh, and a number of other uh, inflammatory conditions. Um, it's even been linked to cardiovascular health, like uh, hypertension, cholesterol levels. Uh, we've seen disrupted microbiome in, in cases of autism and autism spectrum disorders, uh, candidiasis, which is a yeast overgrowth, um, C. difficile colitis, and, and the list goes on. So very, very important. Right. So, so gut balance is going to help us here. It's very important. And probiotics... Is can, it can help us with that balance. So let's set things up here and, and just give us a definition of what a probiotic is. Right. So the technical definition for probiotics are microorganisms, which when administered in adequate amounts, confer a health benefit to its host. And that's the, the key there is that it confers a health benefit to the host. So uh, many different types of bacteria uh, we know as pathogenic. And in that situation, it damages the health of the host. There are many other uh, bacteria that essentially do nothing or, you know, just neutral. But for a probiotic, um, for a bacteria to be de defined as a probiotic, it actually has to confer, confer a health benefit. That's kind of a wide open description, isn't it? It is, yes. <laughs> <laughs> but, but what's the connection? Let's, let's make that connection now between a probiotic and the microbiome that lives on us and in us. Right. So these, uh, so we have uh, in our microbiome, both pathogenic and beneficial bacteria living on and in us all the time. Uh, it's when the balance of that is skewed towards those pathogenic bacteria that we start to see problems arise. So the, the benefit to having probiotics is that it helps skew that balance back towards that of a, um, a healthy microbiome with a, a large uh, population of good bacteria that's actually going to promote health. And that, that good bacteria comes in the form of probiotics. That's right. The Natural Health Show's health highlights are on the way in just a few moments. Dr. No, when we, we look at health issues that can be traced back to poor gut bacteria, and we've discussed them, can probiotics reverse any of these conditions that we've talked about? Right. And I, in some cases, yes. Now, I have to that the... No, uh, the amount of research in this area is still in its infancy, so very, very young. So we can't say with absolute certainty that we can see a cure or a reversal of these uh, these health conditions. But for some conditions, it looks like uh, the answer is yes. So when we look at 
when we think of things like C. difficile colitis, uh, like, as I mentioned, this is something that's commonly seen in hospitals. We know that probiotics do have a curative uh, effect. Uh, same with candid- candidiasis, which is a yeast overgrowth. Often uh, certain probiotics, depending on the strain, uh, can actually reverse or cure candidiasis. And in other situations, we see a reduction in symptoms. So uh, as an example, in, in situations of autism or autism spectrum disorders, we know that having a healthy microbiome can reduce the um, the, uh, the presentation or the, the severity of symptoms. So um, I think at this point, the uh, like I said, I, I want to say yes, but the, the research is still fairly young, and it's just a matter of time before we have uh, more research and more information to better answer that question. So when we, when we have a healthy microbiome, in other words, we're not suffering from C. difficile or, or you know, a condition that could be affected by, by microbiome that is not healthy, would you s- suggest that we still take probiotics every day? For, for general health and wellness, I encourage probiotic use, but at the same time, one of the things I often talk about is strain diversity, because strain diversity, according to the newest research around the microbiome, is probably one of the most critical aspects of a healthy microbiome. So th- what this means is that you have a wide range of species and strains that live on and in you. Uh, now, when, when it comes to dealing with a specific health condition, however, you want to be able to take a clinically studied product at the prescribed dose. So uh, when we're when we're looking at condition X, you really want to, um, and I'm going to say uh, maybe even pick uh, cholesterol as an example. There are, there is very specific there are very specific strains that have been tested and studied for cholesterol reduction. So when you look at these things, you want to be able to take it daily at the prescribed dose and very specific strains. Okay, let's switch gears here for a bit here and talk about the uh, that that demon, the antibiotic, and and I'm I want to know if if you know, with a new consciousness in the public mind over, uh, about the, the overuse of antibiotics and the side effects of that, is there any, uh, is the use of antibiotics slowing down from what you see? Well, I, I really want to say yes, but right now in my mind, uh, the reality is, is it's questionable. Uh, we do know the damaging effects, not only to our microbiome, but to the environment that the overuse of antibiotics uh, has caused. Um, and from uh, the, the medical side, we've been hearing about, uh, you know, the reduction in antibiotic use for, for many, many years. Unfortunately, in, in practice, I don't see that translating into, uh, into reality. And uh, just to give you some examples, I know uh, the kids in my, my neighborhood um, often when they get ear infections uh, are still prescribed antibiotics as, as the first line therapy, which is no longer the recommendation, yet these doctors continue to re- uh, recommend or prescribe antibiotics. So uh, even though the, the, the awareness is out there, I, I don't see it in practice as much as we should. So do you suggest if someone is taking antibiotics that they take probiotics? Absolutely. And I think that's one of the most critical uh, integrative... That's the time ter- to take it, I guess. Huh? I, exactly. And most of the um, um, progressive uh, pharmacists, anytime you're filling out a script for an antibiotic, will often recommend a probiotic product to go along with it. It is the Natural Health Show here with very special guest, Dr. Lee No, naturopathic doctor. We're back with more after the Natural Health Show's Health Highlights. Stay with us. It's a hand-picked, free-range, not-from-concentrate, organically digitized, original program. It's the one and only Natural Health Show. Health Highlights are a look at trending news in the world of natural health. 
Health highlights are sponsored by the good people at Vista Magazine, Canada's organic lifestyle magazine. We thank them for being part of the Natural Health Show. We're talking about seven foods that will naturally cleanse our livers. Our livers work extremely hard every day to protect us from adverse effects from toxins. Without a well-functioning liver, your body will be unable to cleanse itself and absorb nutrients, which is a recipe for a health disaster. So Donna's here with me. We're going to count down seven important foods you may want to begin incorporating into your diet in order to maintain a healthy liver. The first one is one of my faves, garlic. Garlic contains numerous sulfur-containing compounds that activate the liver enzymes responsible for flushing out toxins from the body. Garlic also contains allicin and selenium, two powerful nutrients proven to help protect the liver from toxic damage and aid in the detoxification process. Here's number two, grapefruit. Grapefruit is rich in natural vitamin C and antioxidants, which are two powerful liver cleansers. Grapefruit also contains a flavonoid compound that causes the liver to burn fat rather than store it. And here's a liver cleansing drink, green tea. Green tea is loaded with catechins, a type of plant antioxidant that has been shown in studies to eliminate liver fat accumulation and promote proper liver function. This powerful herbal beverage also protects the liver against toxins that would otherwise accumulate and cause serious damage. Want to cleanse your liver? Well, here's another food for you, green vegetables. Leafy green vegetables such as bitter gourd, arugula, dandelion greens, spinach, mustard greens, and chicory also contain numerous cleansing compounds that neutralize heavy metals, which can bear heavily on the liver. And Steve, leafy greens also eliminate pesticides and herbicides from the body and spur the creation and flow of cleansing bile. Here's another good food to help cleanse your liver. It's also just a good one to have around generally. Avocados we're talking about. They're rich in glutathione-producing compounds. Avocados actively promote liver health by protecting it against toxic overload and boosting its cleansing power. And Steve, some research has shown that eating one or two avocados a week for as little as 30 days can repair a damaged liver. Oh, and here's a good one to add to your uh, porridge in the morning. Walnuts. Walnuts, which contain high levels of an amino acid called L-arginine, glutathione, and omega-3 fatty acids also help detoxify the liver of disease-causing ammonia. Walnuts also help oxygenate the blood, and extracts from their hulls are often used in liver cleansing formulas. Here's our last food, which is good for cleansing the liver, and that is turmeric. Turmeric, one of the most powerful foods for maintaining a healthy liver, has been shown to actively protect the liver against toxic damage and even regenerate damaged liver cells. Turmeric also boosts the natural production of bile and improves overall function of the gallbladder, another body-purifying organ. Good foods to cleanse the liver. This information comes to us from Jonathan Benson of Natural News. Thanks, Donna. Thank you, Steve. The Natural Health Show's health highlights are sponsored by Vista Magazine. They're Canada's organic lifestyle magazine. Ask for Vista Magazine at your local natural health store. Back with more of the Natural Health Show in just a moment.
You know the revolution continues as we search for the ways and means of taking back control over our food, over our bodies, our minds, and our healing. You're listening to The Natural Health Show and Steve Herringer. Our conversation is all about bugs, the 100 trillion bugs on and in our bodies that aren't even human cells, but they do affect our health. This is the microbiome. How do probiotics affect us and our microbiome? That is our topic. Yeah, how do they affect our bug collection, basically? So, uh, Dr. No, with, with all the new understanding we're talking about, about the effect of gut bacteria on our overall health and the benefits of probiotics, what areas of study are active and, and, and what is being discovered? I know this is still new territory. What, what are they learning? Absolutely. And there is a lot of research going on, and I by no means uh, am, am aware of all the research that, that is going on. But from what I've seen more recently, um, of course, there's a lot of research going on with respect to the gastrointestinal system. So this includes antibiotic-associated diarrhea, irritable bowel syndrome, constipation, lactose intolerance, uh, but also a lot of uh, research going on with respect to the immune system. Um, so, and this is this makes a lot of sense because the the immune system is essentially uh, housed in the gut. Or you might have heard that the the gut is makes up seventy to eighty percent of our immune system. So, a lot of research with respect to immunity, uh, vaginal health, mental health, cardio health. These are all areas that are actively seeing microbiome research. Okay. Now we hear about uh, we're talking about probiotics, but we also hear about prebiotics. Where are those found? That, that, that would be in food, That's correct? right. That's right. So in general, pre, when we talk about prebiotics, and just so that everyone is aware uh, of what we're talking about, prebiotics are substances that promote the growth of good bacteria with, within our, 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 our system. So uh, when we look at sources of prebiotics or what they are essentially, and this is a generalization, uh, they are soluble fibers. So they're resistant starch that our bodies natively cannot break down, but the enzymes and the compounds that are produced by our gut bacteria are able to metabolize. Right. So, so prebiotics are the food for probiotics. That's right. Okay. Now, when we look at a label uh, of, of a probiotic in a health food store, it's uh, 10 billion, 25 billion, up to 50 billion colony-forming units. What are CFUs? What are colony-forming units? Right. So the CFUs are really just a measure of potency where one CFU or colony-forming unit can give rise to one colony. <laughs> uh, pretty simple. Uh, but that doesn't necessarily mean that one CFU means one bacteria. Essentially, what we're looking at is a unit of bacteria, whether that's a, a group of cells or a single bacteria, that can give rise to a colony. And who counts all this stuff? <laughs> that's a good question. Where is the scientist in the back room <laughs> counting 50 billion colonies? Yeah, that's right. Um, well, it, it is actually, uh, in many cases, done by uh, um, by hand, or so, so, so to speak. Um, now, basically, what we're looking at is we're culturing uh, probiotics or any any bacteria, and this is also the basis behind uh, uh, microbiological uh, testing when when we're looking at uh, um, a micro contamination of foods and other products. But basically, what we're doing is culturing them on a little petri dish and then uh, after a certain period of time we look down the microscope and we start counting the the colonies that that form so we take a a small section of that petri dish count the number of colonies there and then estimate what that looks like in terms of um, um, cfus per given um, amount that has got to be a tough job 
I, I can't Somebody's got to do it. It's got to be yeah. a tough, the, the counter of CFUs. That's right. Colony forming units. So we see, as I said, 10 billion, 25 billion, 15. They come in different uh, ranges. Is more better? Like is 50 billion better than 10 billion? When it comes to CFUs, it really is strain specific. And so you can't necessarily say more is better. Um, it's just you need to understand that every strain has its own own CFU that that can cause disease or cause health. So the analogy I use here is minerals. So just like you wouldn't ever go to a, a health food store and, and say, you know, I need I need uh, 500 milligrams of minerals. Um, you know, you, you're looking at specific minerals and taking those minerals in specific doses. So when we talk about magnesium, four to 500 milligrams of magnesium makes a lot of sense. But if you're talking about selenium, that is a 500 milligram dose of selenium is poison. Uh, so you really want to make sure that you're taking these minerals uh, at the dose that's therapeutic for that particular uh, mineral, and that is no different with probiotics. So when we talk about uh, you know going to a store to buy probiotics, and I know at this point many consumers will go to the store and say, I need probiotics at 50 billion CFUs, as an example. Really, um, I think in 10, maybe even 20 years, or it could be uh, you know in, in the next few years, uh, the the awareness and the knowledge around probiotics is going to have advanced to the point where we're we're saying, I want this strain in this potency. Right. So things will get more strain specific as we move on. Right? That's right. I- exactly. Let's switch gears here for a moment and talk about the connection between good gut bacteria and good mental health, because I heard you mention that. The connection between a biome, a microbiome that is in balance and one that isn't, and the effect on mental health. Can you give us a comment on that? Yeah, so there's, there is uh, compelling research now to show that there is a, uh, a close link between what happens in our gut and our mental health. And uh, numerous studies have shown this now, so it's not something that's uh, new, although I think that a lot of research uh, has to be done for us to really un- identify how this works. But you might have heard something called the gut-brain axis, uh, and it, I think it's something that you're going to hear a lot more about. But probiotics and the microbiome in our gut have profound influence on our mental health. Um, it's been linked to anxiety, depression, but different compounds released by these uh, bacteria that then uh, get absorbed into our body have also been shown to benefit the integrity of the blood-brain barrier. So, you know, it keeps toxic substances that could damage our mental health or our cognition out of the brain. Uh, So there's a lot of uh, uh, exciting research going on in this area. The gut-brain connection, that's right. You're with The Natural Health Show. Thanks for being part of the program. Still to come, our research update from Inspire Health and Dr. Hal Gunn. We were talking about strains of probiotics, and, and, then, and then we have species of probiotics. Uh, what's the difference between a strain and a species of probiotic? Right. So uh, when we look at probiotics, and we typically think of you know, species like Lactobacillus acidophilus as a probiotic strain or a probiotic species, uh, in general, that might be the case, but unless we know the strain we really don't know what that bacteria is going to do. So when, even though you, know, you hear the term lactobacillus acidophilus, for microbiologists or people that truly understand bacteria, that really doesn't give you any information. You really want to be able to talk at the strain level. Okay, now in your line of work, what strain have you, uh, have you researched? 
The, the one that I've spent uh, the majority of my time researching is a strain of lactobacillus acidophilus called the DDS1 strain. Um, but that doesn't necessarily mean that this is the only beneficial strain. Um, we do know that there are many different uh, strains uh, appropriately termed uh, probiotic. Uh, but the uh, important thing is that whenever you look at a probiotic product, whether it's a DDS1 strain or another strain, is that you're specifically and deliberately going out looking for probiotic strains as opposed to probiotic products because I know there's a lot of products out there that might not have human clinical research to show that it's a a probiotic by definition and going back to the definition it's that it has to exert a health benefit. Right. Now, let's go to that term enteric-coated, which means that the the probiotic or whatever is enteric-coated will get past the acid in our stomach, correct? That's right. And, uh, and where, where is the probiotic? If it gets past our belly, where is it headed to be most effective? So different strains uh, and different species will take up residence in our gut in different areas. So uh, typically, as, as an example, going back to lactobacillus acidophilus, that species and its various strains will typically take up residence in the small intestine, so higher up in the GI tract. Other strains, especially bifidobacteria-type um, strains, will find residence in the lower intestine, so uh, the large intestines and the colon. But just to, uh, just to be clear, um, enteric coating is not needed uh, for many different types of probiotics. So it really, again, this boils back to strain specificity. Uh, certain strains will require enteric coating uh, to pass the stomach acid. Other strains are naturally acid and bile resistant, so don't actually need uh, to be enteric coated to be uh, beneficial. And, and there is a train of thought that, uh, you know, typically with our stomach acid, it's there to protect our bodies and, pre- and make sure that certain um, pathogenic bacteria don't get in our body. So um, there is a, the thinking that if a product needs to be enteric-coated, is that something that we want in our body uh, in the first place? Right. Now, we've talked about strains. So what strains are most beneficial to us uh, you know, when we've, to, to keep this microbiome healthy? What type uh, of, of strain of probiotic should we be taking? Right. So, as I mentioned, uh, I've done a lot of research around the DDS-1 strain, uh, very, very well researched um, across the globe for over 40 years. So, very, very um, uh, an established uh, strain. Now, there are, uh, without getting into many of the other strains, um, but there, there are quite a few high-quality probiotic products on the market that use clinically researched strains. So the important thing is that you go to the health food store, ask the, the staff there for a probiotic that has human clinical research to support that, uh, that it is a probiotic by definition. Okay, then you're heading in the right direction. That's right. You're listening to The Natural Health Show. Steve Herringer here. Time now for our research update from Inspire Health. We'll be right back. Hi, I'm Dr. Hal Gunn, a physician at Inspire Health. Did you know... Probiotics may be helpful postoperatively in patients with colon cancer. Probiotics are live organisms which, when administered in adequate amounts, confer a health benefit. Traditionally, humans have obtained a myriad of such microbes from ingesting fermented foods such as yogurt and sauerkraut. Lactic acid bacteria are a type of probiotic that have been successfully used in medicine for a number of different conditions. They have beneficial effects in digestive diseases such as diarrhea and inflammatory bowel disease like Crohn's disease and ulcerative colitis. In human clinical trials, the use of probiotics reduce the infection rate and improve quality of life postoperatively in patients who had colorectal cancer surgery. 
not all probiotics are equal. If you have digestive issues or a history of colon cancer or colonic polyps, talk to your healthcare provider about adding probiotics to your regime. For more information on the role of health in cancer treatment, visit inspirehealth.ca. The Natural Health Show's research update is presented by Inspire Health. Investigate inspirehealth.ca at this very moment. I have a beautiful $150 natural health gift basket, which I would like to give away. Compliments of our sponsor today, Innovite Health. It's going to go to the 16th caller today at one 333 Be the 16th caller to say, I listen to the Natural Health Show Revolution. And that $150 natural health gift basket is yours. The number again is one 8647 It's toll free. Back with more in just a moment. Hey, it's all about taking back control over our own health and our own healing, the natural way, of course. Welcome back to the Natural Health Show. Probiotics is our topic. Steve Herringer here with naturopathic Dr. Lee No, and uh, I think we—I certainly hope we have not gotten too confusing in our discussion of species and strains, Dr. No. So let's let's take our listeners to a neighborhood natural health store in search of a quality probiotic, one that is going to work for us. And what should we look for when we get into that store? Right. So I think the 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 first thing that we need to to address is stability. So you want to be able to choose a product that's uh, that has proven stability. So that means you're going to take the product and you're actually going to get live bacteria that's going to give you that health benefit. The other thing to consider is uh, the specific formulations to meet your needs. So there are many different products on the market that are specifically formulated for your age and stage. So there are probiotic products um, formulated for children, others for seniors, others for women. Uh, but the other thing that uh, you want to consider is um, what it doesn't contain. So uh, this, especially when we look at uh, things related to gut health and immunity, I know a lot of individuals have food sensitivity. So we really want to make sure that uh, depending on uh, on what you're, you may be allergic to, uh, you, know, you want to be able to take a product that's free of, uh, say, gluten, soy, eggs, um, uh, dairy, things like that. Okay, now I see probiotics in the fridge. I also see them on the shelf, not refrigerated. Presumably, they're in the fridge because they are live bacteria, these probiotics. Are are non-refrigerated probiotics also effective? They are. Uh, And in the past, when the technology was not as good as it is now, uh, we really needed to keep probiotics in the fridge so that uh, we could extend their shelf life and so that by the time you ingested them, that you're actually getting what you paid for. Uh, fast forward to now, however, uh, there, is, uh, there, there have been significant advances in technology that allow these probiotics to be stable at room temperature. So uh, in stores, you start to see a growing section of probiotics sold on the shelf. Uh, and that doesn't mean that they're not stable. Uh, it really just means that uh, it's using the, the latest technology to ensure that probiotics are stable without needing refrigeration. 
So a lot of people are going to be traveling this winter. They're going to go to other locations. They're going to eat a lot of different foreign foods to them. Do you think it's a good idea to travel with a, with a probiotic? Absolutely. And I see this, um, consumers doing this quite often now. And I think it's going to continue to increase as the awareness around the benefits of probiotics, especially for travel-related um, purposes, uh, increase. So the, uh, the idea is that, uh, especially when you travel, you might not have access to a fridge. So just go- going back quickly to you know, shelf-stable probiotics, uh, typically, um, while they're on the shelf and in an un- unopened bottle, you um, on the shelf is per- perfectly fine. After you open it, however, you definitely want to try to keep it in the fridge if you have access to it. The problem is that when you're traveling, you don't always have access to a refrigerator. Uh, so in this situation, uh, choosing a stable probiotic becomes even more important. So you want to start with a stable probiotic. You want to be able to keep the cap on tight uh, during the entire time you're traveling. Uh, and then uh, avoid um, direct sources of heat. So, you know, don't put the uh, the bottle on, on a radiator, on a heater, or uh, on a windowsill that uh, is going to be exposed to direct sunlight. So as long or, as you... Yeah, it- so yeah. in, that, in, that, in that hot sunshine that you're supposedly enjoying, you don't want to be sitting there with your bottle of probiotic. That's right. Uh, if, if um, you know, and it happens to just about everybody, you're, you're, you travel and, and you're eating for a food that is not uh, your usual diet, not part of your usual diet, uh, and, and you get a bug and you, you have the runs or you're, you're just, your stomach is churning up, is a probiotic going to work uh, in this instance and and I'm hoping you're going to say yes, and how long will it take to work? Yeah, so that, that it will work. Um, and one of the things that uh, is important to to know is that a lot of times when you have that uh, GI distress, um, it is, as you said, related to foreign bacteria that your body's not used to. So it's just your body's just going through a period of adjustment, and that's uh, where all the GI distress comes uh, comes from. So the idea of taking a probiotic is that you're reintroducing um, bacteria into your cell uh, into your body that your body is used to. At the same time, a lot of time, uh, the, these probiotic strains can actually exert uh, an effect where it minimizes the growth of these foreign bacteria that your body might not be used to. So uh, traveling with probiotics is an excellent idea for anyone that's going to be con- uh, consuming um, food, especially uh, foreign food that their body's not used to. Now, can it, does it happen quickly? Can you, can you help yourself out uh, in, you know, in, a, in a short period of time? It does. It, it can work quickly. Now, this is where po- potency does come into play. So I, I, in our previous discussion, I talked about how potency is strain-specific, and as long as you're getting the, um, uh, a strain at the specified potency, you're good. Uh, in situations where you have dysbiosis or an, uh, um, an acute uh, derangement of your microbiome, Having a higher potency product is going to um, allow your body to come into balance or where your microbiome should be uh, much quicker. So the end result will be the same, but, but by taking a higher potency, you can realize those benefits. Let's do a short recap of our conversation and again look at some of the things that we've discussed regarding the value of a good probiotic, what it does and how it can help us. Let's recap what we've been talking about. All right. So basically, we want to uh, uh, just acknowledge that the probiotics help balance our microbiome, and we had an extensive uh, conversation around probiotics and microbiome. Um, and this helps crowd out pathogenic bacteria, um, so the bacteria that cause illness. So that's where the benefit of having a healthy microbiome and taking probiotics come, comes into play. 
It can assist in immune health, uh, and that includes allergies, autoimmune diseases, respiratory infections, mental health, digestive health, and the list goes on, and especially things related to inflammation. So having a healthy microbiome that's assisted by probiotic supplements is probably one of the foundational aspects of health. Because it affects so much, and, it, and, and it's really a numbers game, isn't it? That's right. Uh, you know, if, if you've got the right amount of good bacteria, uh, this is going to uh, keep your, your uh, microbiome, your gut in good balance. Uh, you've been on this show before, and you know how we close it, right? Uh, one last question. As a naturopath, is there, a, uh, is there one misconception that the, the public has uh, regarding natural health that you would like to take a moment to clear up? Well, I... Because we're talking about probiotics, I think uh, I, I just want to come back to the the issue of potency. And this is, like I said, this is an area that there is a lot of miscon- uh, misconceptions and uh, misunderstandings. So what I really want to encourage people to do is stop uh, buying probiotics based on potency and uh, look at high-quality, well-researched uh, products. Those products are going to allow you to get the the... Uh, the species and the strains at the dose that's actually effective. So ask your health, uh, sorry, your healthcare provider or your, the staff at the health food store for clinically studied strains, and uh, and then you're good to go. Okay, get clear on the probiotic you're taking, right? That's right. Dr. No, thanks so much for joining us in studio today. My pleasure. It's the Natural Health Show on your weekend, and we thank you for being part of the program today. We're here each and every weekend at this time, bringing you guest experts from the world of natural health. I'm Steve Herringer. My guest has been naturopathic Dr. Lee No. You can find him at noguff.com. I'm going to be back to close the show right after a very, very special Radical Remedy with Dr. Carl, MD. Time now for the Natural Health Show's Radical Remedies, a look at current research-based therapies that are making a difference. Radical Remedies is brought to you by Vitarock.com. Hi, I'm Dr. Carl, MD. Let's talk about probiotics. Do they really slow down the aging process and prolong life, as first suggested by a famous Russian scientist in the early 20th century? Or is it a hoax, as claimed by modern medicine? Well, the whole concept revolves around the so-called good bacteria in our gut, like lactic acid bacteria and bifidobacteria, together called probiotics. They help in the digestive process, release some very beneficial vitamins into our system, and change their environment so that bad bacteria can't reproduce. These bad bacteria can break down proteins from our food, producing byproducts that are harmful, pro-inflammatory, and carcinogenic. These toxic substances get into our bloodstream and play havoc with our organs. They cause inflammation, cell damage, and free radical formation. And what do we know from modern Western medicine? We know for a fact that these inflammatory processes damage cells and thus accelerate the aging process, as well as cause mutations to the DNA of cells, increasing the risk of cancer formation. It is also worth mentioning that it is possible that these bad bacteria stimulate and change the immune cells in our gut to make them oversensitive to substances in our environment that we are normally neutral to. This can mean allergies to pollens and allergies on our skin. So what are we to gather from all this? In my opinion, Professor Mechnikov at the Pasteur Institute of Paris was right after all. Probiotics protect our bodies by limiting inflammation, cell damage, and free radical formation. In short, they slow down the aging process and support a prolonged, healthy life. 
our Russian scientist was right. Probiotics are pro-life. I'm Dr. Carl, MD. The Natural Health Show's Radical Remedies is brought to you by Vitarock.com. Big thanks to special guest, naturopathic doctor, Lee No, and to our sponsor this hour, Innovite Health. Innovite Health has made this hour possible, and we thank them for helping us bring this show to air this weekend. Thanks also to all who have helped put this show together. Producer Pat Glover is our mix master extraordinaire, and John Rothorn is our web guy, making sure all podcasts and upcoming show info is online. Thanks also to my lovely program co-creator, and that is Donna. You can revisit this and all of our past programs by simply visiting our website, that is thenaturalhealthshow.ca. And you can find us on iTunes as well by going to the iTunes store, doing a search for The Natural Health Show. Podcasts are free, so take a look for us on iTunes. We're also on Facebook and on YouTube with our Natural Health Minutes. Our Natural Health Minutes are seen on City TV as well. So look for us on air and online. We're everywhere and we're waiting for you. Of course, you can always connect with us at info at thenaturalhealthshow.ca. If you'd like to know more about our show or about our guests, please don't hesitate to connect. Info at thenaturalhealthshow.ca. You know the revolution continues. Be well and be back next time for more of The Natural Health Show. I'm Steve Herringer. Thanks for listening. And don't forget to remind yourself today, before you go to bed, of all the good things you've done and continue to do to make this world a beautiful place. You make valuable contributions every day. And you know, and I know, it's you that makes this show go. We thank you. Next time.